Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Controversial subjects with the facts can be tense, but we are ASAP Science here to make things make sense. Today we are talking about the fear of failure with Kendra Y. Hill, who is our manager and like T is spelled and is incredible, but it's so fascinating. There's a lot of science of failure and she also taught us so much while analyzed us like deeply to the core. <laughs> oh my God, it was such a good conversation. Yeah, I'm like, I need to listen back on it and be like, it was comfortable raw. with all this coming out. It was like, it was like, it was raw. It, it was, was amazing. Raw. And there was crazy science. Anyways, failure is... It's a big part of all of our lives, obviously. Because we we're all fucking failures. We all know that. That's the one thing we've realized in common with all of our listeners. All failures. <laughs> so we thought we'd hit you with the stuff that y'all need. <laughs> Fundamentally human is what I think. Uh, we'll talk Honestly. more about it, though. Do we okay. want to save it for our conversation? <laughs> so how are you? This is so funny. We're in the midst of some, some. Yeah. It's beautiful. I love it Toronto in the is. summer. I constantly, I know on a previous podcast, I talked about the perfect window of a banana. There's also a perfect <laughs> temperature for me. Yeah. And so like, sometimes we go from winter to summer and I'm like, there was like three perfect days. Okay. What are they? Hot. What are they? No, I actually am just kind of exaggerating. But what would I do you, what love it, describe the hot sun. It, describe it in Celsius. Well, what I realized as I get older is I, I love really hot days when I was younger, but they, are often linked with being poolside or by a beach. Whoa. I mean, I don't, okay, whatever. All I mean wow. is I love being hot, but if I know I can get out of it. Yeah, okay, true. true and true. so now as I'm older, I've always told myself, like, you're I not love a, hot weather, but if I can't be like near a cool <laughs> building. The sad part about growing up, you can't be poolside all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Shit gets in the way. Okay, so you're no longer poolside. Or I've just had experiences when I grew up where I'm like sweating somewhere yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. like, or even like I, I don't love going to the Toronto beach because I'm like it's so hot oh, and, <laughs> and the water is too cold for me to go into so I just am so oh that's your interesting issue the too cold that's my I have a very yeah, narrow see, range water, of comfort yeah. for my body and yeah. so I'm saying yeah. love the summer weather but I every now and then I'm like is it too hot yeah yeah that's interesting <laughs> wow but I'm like I feel bad because I literally love one month ago I was like it's way too cold <laughs> I love picturing you just like going in places and getting too hot and then just being like hey do, do you happen to have a pool <laughs> 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 They're like, no. You're gonna go to beach over there, do you? Yeah. Oh my god, okay. Let's get into what we learned this week. Okay. Oh, what did we learn this week? Okay, I'm gonna bring in some positive light to the pandemic we all had to sadly live through. Okay. okay. <laughs> Great. Remember those hard, dark times? They're still going on, actually, for many of us. Yeah. Um, so, the one good thing about COVID 
the COVID-19 outbreak is that it accelerated the science of organoids, which are like so freaking cool. But what they did, so there's organ in the past, we've had organoids for our like liver, for our brain, for our guts and for our lungs. But what's important to know is like, there's they're tiny, tiny versions of cells that are in our lungs and they are, they don't have immune systems or blood vessels attached to them. This is what an organoid is. An organoid is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you can make tiny, tiny lungs. Like for example, the study I read was 15,000 little, little, almost like alveoli, the tiniest little parts of your lung. And then they just blast it with COVID-19 and then they just like cover it in medication and try and watch what happens. And it's like, that's how they're studying the medication for COVID-19. And because it was so intense, they were like, we just need to go all in on organoids, which are like really important science, but they're expensive. And they did a bunch of like, they ramped up the science and it's just like, okay, so it's so interesting, but like through the organoid research is how they were able to literally put the SARS-CoV-2 virus onto these tiny little like thousands of lungs and see that the ACE2 receptor was the receptor that was going to actually bring in the virus. They, they, before they couldn't right. have done that. Whoa. And that's... then we, that's how we got these vaccines up. They're like, they uh-huh. knew the receptor. Yeah. And then it's like, they also realize that Vero cells, which is the old way of like in, in Petri dishes, studying things with hydroxychloroquine, it worked. And so that's part of the reason why we all heard hydroxychloroquine. Right. Why it works. had promise for yeah. in the organoids of the lungs which are like a more complex system that is like more different. Just picture like a little tiny alveoli lung. Mm-hmm. They put hydroxychloroquine and they knew it wouldn't work because it was like, it is a more complex actual system. And we wouldn't have had to go through that hydroxychloroquine BS oh, wow. if like we had been using just the organoids, not the, the old, uh, yeah, the Interesting. old Interesting. Whoa. Okay. I, is organelles like a thing I should have known about? Wait, shit. Now I'm like, did I not explain organoids? I thought you knew. I thought, okay, wait, I, I shouldn't assume people know what organoids are. Organoids. Organoids. Um, yeah. Uh, Sorry. I don't think I know what that is. And oh then I was God, just okay. kind of we like. We made a video about it on Instagram, but I realized I think I must have made it. But it's like, what it is, is that they, they, they are able. It's like, you know how when you learn about cells, it's like they start with like atom and yeah. then it gets up to element, then mm-hmm. molecules, and then you get to cell, then you get to right. tissue. Yeah. Picture that. Instead of just in a cell, an organoid is in tissue. It's like it's like a bigger version, like a tiny little segment of a lung, and they're able mm-hmm. to build almost like picture like little brains, little livers, little yeah. lungs. And they're more and they have to use stem cells in many ways. Okay. And they're more complicated. And then they study that. So it's a deeper uh, knowledge of the biochemistry. I feel I should have known yeah. that. And I'm no, just kind of no. like, maybe I'm having it's a new. brain fart. No, it's new. That's why I brought it up. It's like, uh, it's that COVID-19 that's so made cool. it really Yeah, We should yeah. make a video about that for sure. But, then it's like, but I am like, like, did I learn? So would I have learned that in high school or that? No, okay. no, no. That's like, re- that's because I more just modern. Like nature. Oh, mind. wow. It's just because I read. No, no, no. Sorry, <laughs> okay. sorry, sorry, sorry. No, it sounds so lame, but I'm actually like, no, you're right. Like, it's probably like a three-year-old, you know, like there's buzzy things in science yeah yeah it's a buzzy I'm thing like, from like three years ago to now okay cool i'm gonna look into it and i'm like maybe i'm just having one of those moments where i just forget everything in my life and then tomorrow i wake up and i'm like oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah like literally <laughs> i did so know about organized <laughs> or you'll just like be at dinner and be like oh yeah organized and you'll just like explain it to me and i'll be like yeah like what you always like, knew that uh, that's so true um, we'll find out tbd okay. <laughs> so okay i mine is not like a specifically science study but um, you know, my favorite place to find mind-blowing factual information is TikTok. And I saw this <laughs> on TikTok and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to try and describe it. I kind of wrote it down as my, what did I learned this week? Okay. It's just a fascinating thing to think on. Uh, fact-ish, because there's a caveat at the end. We'll see. Okay. okay. So basically they explained that 
anatomically modern humans came into existence around 300,000 years ago, right? Okay. So we maybe that number, give or take, some people say 150,000 years ago is when we would say like homo sapien humans were existing. Um, but okay, well, let's say 300,000 as that guess. Uh, to clarify for everyone, this is like not cavemen, quote unquote. They're anatomically similar to us. They had brains like us and they ultimately act like, not necessarily act like us, but you know what I mean, right? 300,000 like years ago, that's a homo, it's not homo sapiens necessarily. Well, I think around, yeah, I think that's really? when, yeah, homo sapiens Whoa. is like 100. That's when they, a lot of people say 100,000, 150,000, but there's been all these, okay, wow. obviously, yeah, okay. ranges but of But I'm getting the time actually. scale. I'm getting the yeah. time scale. Um, and oh, so shit. now on that time scale, think about how the some of the first major recorded civilizations didn't come into recorded history until 6,500 years ago. Okay, yeah. And that's when writing was, quote unquote, invented. It's often considered the beginning of recorded history. Okay. So this TikToker pointed out okay. that, all of recorded history potentially only represents 2% of human existence. Hmm. Um, and the rest is unrecorded. So it's like in those hundreds of thousands of years of, you know, these creatures yeah. that were so similar to us, they were like living with Neanderthals at one point. Yeah, yeah. Had, there was like, who also were intelligent and had levels of yeah. speech. Okay. And there were like giant sloths only 10,000 years ago. I know, ago. isn't it crazy that giant sloths are like the things that ate avocados <laughs> and giant sloths <laughs> shitting avocados. Like that's why they're that big. It's how they spread avocado trees. It's and then crazy. humans were like, Killed the giant sloth <laughs> off. And then we're like, but well, we like avocados and have just planted them since. But they don't have a natural thing that spreads their seed because the giant sloth it did it. I know. And <laughs> it's like, I didn't, I think Blast. I just read that they could have been up to the size of elephants. No, they were huge. Isn't I know. There, there's really cool like photos. Well, no, it's just drawings because it's not, it's just, it's recorded history, but it's too far back recorded. There wasn't photography. Uh-huh. They're just drawing. You're like, oh, it was a picture actually. No, it was drawn From 19, by a I can't tell you when a camera was invented, but I wasn't going to really embarrass myself. Um, anyway, this was ultimately saying, you know, 98% of human experience ha is not recorded for us yeah. to understand. The corrections and caveats on this TikTok in the comments were, oh. <laughs> no, it's very fascinating. Obviously, this is a 60 second video just explaining something <laughs> kind of interesting and profound. But people were like, some Australia, Australian Aboriginals history like dates back. 60 to 80,000 years. Like there are, there is evidence oh, of wow. texts and for sure, like paint, paintings well, and stuff. That was like this, but that is still even doesn't match like oh, the wow. timeline of when Homo sapiens came about. Okay, so that, you know what's interesting is that the thing I was talking about a couple podcasts ago about how the Neanderthals were counting by looking at that hyena bone that was 60,000 years ago, but I realized that's that's Neanderthals. If you're talking mm -hmm. about Homo sapiens, then that's actually like imagine Neanderthals had an even earlier recorded history as a they, separate species. Yeah, I don't actually know. When. No, no, I don't know, but that one was from Neanderthals and some people who studied were mad because they were like, no, like human history is like 20. Like there was like a weird argument uh, from other people when, being who like, it's actually from based yeah, on their, yeah. when those species existed. Yeah, that was like a critique of that study. Wow. I that those time scales are wild. Yeah, and I, I think it's just like, it blows your mind to think about Nothing crazy, just that there's so much. Like we we contextualize even our own lives in such these interesting bubbles, mm. not only of cultural bubbles of existence or like your friend bubble, but just like a time bubble of not only the decades we were born in and the thirty to fifty to sixty years we've been born, but then we contextualize it in like these two thousand years. That's like the mark of when quote unquote Jesus was born, um, and then like before that we have these marks of like other historical ancient societies. But all of that fits in like this tiny 
time frame. I can't, I'm so funny. I went to Jesus. I was like, this is so not going there. No. But I'm like, yeah, uh, like that is true. I'm like, I meant like weird... that people have a reference point for 2000 yeah. years ago. No, that's no. because literally <laughs> Jesus, isn't it? No, it, it is. I'm just, I right, the year 2020 is like, just like funny because I was thinking of all these because you were making so much sense with the bubbles. I was thinking of some, <laughs> all these different ones and all of a sudden you're like, and then Jesus. And I was like, holy fuck. Well, I was and trying I'm to like, think of what I was like, you're right. Like I'm in 2000 freaking 21 because of Jesus. And literally when you said Jesus, I'm like, I don't know shit about Jesus. I was like, I was like, was he real? Like, I was like, wasn't he written by someone? Like, I just was like, yeah. And then he's like, why is that zero? Like, no, it's fascinating. Like, I looked it up one crazy. time. This is a side note. We're going to get to the episode. Don't worry. But there was, um, it's just interesting to look into the evidence of Jesus. And it's like, there is evidence that he was a real person, but it's, it's like sometimes flimsy, but it's equivalent to other historical figures that yeah. people do consider existed. Wow. So it's like they, if they don't include Jesus, it cuts out a lot yeah. of other people we think were actually real. Um, it's just fascinating to be like, is was that a real person? Oh, man, life is crazy. <laughs> okay, so we are going to be right back with, honestly, a woman who's changed our lives, who we are obsessed <laughs> yes. with. She is the manager of ASAP Science, essentially. Yeah. And she is going to talk to us about failure, and we're going to explain sort of the science behind the fear of failure. It's ultimately some type of therapy session, but you're going to learn a lot. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Study time. Study time. Study time. Study time. So we are now going to be chit-chatting about the science of failure or failure in general. The with fear of failure, the even. The fear of failure <laughs> with the Kendra Y. Hill, <laughs> who is also our oh, manager. manager. She manages and our, our manager. life. So that's why we have her on and she's going to I have to constant fear of failure and this is really just a therapy session. <laughs> I literally wrote my notes like, this is for Mitch and this is for Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, yeah, it's like I love this podcast because okay, so, I just get to work through my problems. Yeah, and like I, I will be the liaison. But wait, so Mitch, do you self-identify as someone who has a fear of failure? I think so. I think it is like not. I don't always intellectualize it that way, but if I think of what it means to be a perfectionist and to have shame around, like obviously most perfectionists, it's really just like carrying shame around the fear of failing. I think, hmm. or like it not being perfect. And it's not actually a good thing. Like people sometimes like to be, I'm a perfectionist, but I think I've learned over the years that it's like not a great thing. And it is to do with the fear of failure, I think. What about you, Kendra? Absolutely. I think that like 
perfectionism. I think for, well, there's lots of things, right? I think perfectionism comes from childhood trauma. Let's start oh, there. Okay, shit. drag my family. Oh, literally dragging oh, your mom. Um, no, but seriously. Like, <laughs> literally drag your mom. Drag your mom. I think that it does. It comes from like having like either parents who are unsupportive or like hypercritical of you. Very critical of what you do and like you always feeling the need to like perform and like impress them and make them proud. It could be because they look at you as like the star kid. Like maybe they have other kids who ain't shit, you know? And like you're the star kid or whatever the case may be. But like you feel the pressure to perform and then it's like the more you perform and the more you achieve, the more you become afraid of failing and falling. Yeah, like the stakes become higher beca because you're like, I can't come below this now or whatever. So I just wasn't the star child. Okay, I got but, it. Okay, <laughs> kidding, but what, kidding, I, kidding. what I'm interested in is because I've maybe, maybe I've heard it said this other way as well, but I think a lot of gay men are also high achievers. Maybe not just gay mm. men, but also perfectionists because they're like fighting against that approval of society as well. And it's like, I, I can definitely see both my family stuff, but also being like the gay kid that's like, yeah. okay, if I can't prove that I'm good at all these things, then what, you know what I mean? I want to show these people that I'm good enough or that I can be the smartest or that I can be the best. Like, yeah, that, 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 that is a, there's the book, the, there's this famous like gay book called the velvet rage that like every 25 year old, like it's very white. It's, it's we, I would say every 25 year old white gay is like, well, you read the velvet rage changed my life. I'm in tier two, Screaming. but it kind of talks about that. It's like, it's literally like it can be i think a form of perfectionism high achieving to find acceptance in society but it can also lead down the world of like partying and like drugs as like another way of like dealing with like right. the same type of childhood shame and trauma of like not being allowed to like be yourself and like pretending you want to like have sex with Christina Aguilera. Although actually the dirty video, like we obviously all wanted to have sex with Christina Cancel. Aguilera. Like, I didn't. Is, like, I was like, I knew I was gay by that age. Wait, you didn't want to have sex with Christina Aguilera in the dirty video? No, I didn't ever want to have. You want to have sex with Redman and then you want to have sex with Redman and Christina Aguilera dirty video? I, I don't know. <laughs> Kendra, your <laughs> eyes. I'm getting your manager eyes. Like, what are you saying to me? Yeah, yeah I'm definitely giving you. Wait, manager. but Kendra, no, I'm putting the freaking mirror on you. <laughs> Are, Are you, you afraid of failure? Because uh, you're so successful, and when you're you're the coming. Mirror. Yeah, yeah. She's holding up a mirror <laughs> to her literal face. You're coming. You're dragging Mitch. <laughs> but what about you? Because you are so successful, so you have you must be afraid of failing. I'm not afraid to fail anymore. Um, mm. It took me a long time. I think like the fear of failure is called like a tikiphobia or something like that. And oh, wow. like my therapist when I was 18 tried to tell me like, you have a tikka phobia. I was like a tiki taco <laughs> truck, like sis, what is that? You know, like, I don't even know what that means. She's like, yeah, you're just afraid to fail. And I think for me, it did come from wanting to be perfect, um, having like a really jacked up life and like wanting to like be perfect and show everybody I was worth something because I went through so many things in my life that made me feel like I was not worthy. But like now today, no, I'm that girl. And anything I decide I'm going to do, like I'm going to do, I, th I feel like fear of failure can sometimes be rooted in rejection. And I, I last mm. night I was teaching a class and we kind of got around to that. It's like fear of failure is kind of attached to like rejection and like people not wanting to receive you. And I think that just over time, like mm. from 18 to now, I'm 33 now, like I've worked through that. Like, I don't care if people reject me. I don't need your approval. I don't do things mm. for your approval. If I make you happy or what I do pleases you, then 
kudos to me. But if it doesn't, <laughs> like, and I'm living in my truth, then I don't care. Oh, that's so fucking Okay, sick. so what this is going to turn into <laughs> is how the hell do you go from A to B? Wait, wait, okay. I want to, I want to, ex- I want to bring in some science right now because okay. I'm like, it's actually like weirdly interesting to like say before we get into this, which I think is like, it's it like, I so want to know exactly how you did that. But I'm like, this to me could maybe help you. Okay. And it's like, okay, so it's literally a like EEG, fMRI study of the brain under the circumstances of failing and succeeding. And like in the past, they thought like the prefrontal cortex of your brain, which is like a way to like summarize it, which like any neuroscientist would be like, that isn't fair. Cause there's obviously so many neurons in your brain. It's all very complicated. Hello, it's thine brain. (laughs) But like the prefrontal cortex is, it assesses risk. It kind of like grows last. Like when you're like sometimes like a, they blame kids for being risky because they don't have a fully evolved prefrontal cortex. But they thought it was all happening in this like small part of the brain. But now this new study found actually by putting people in situations where they would have to do tasks and they would get check marks or they would get like red X's. And they found that there's very distinct things happening in your brain. And in fact, more parts of your brain are lighting up when you're failing. So like they don't go this far, but I thought it was interesting. Like there's something there, like the visceral reaction of failing is huge. It's a big feeling. And like, it literally takes up more of your brain. Whereas success is like, it's there, but it, and it's different parts, but there's not as much going on. But what they found out is it's like, it's a whole brain reaction to both. It's a lot more complicated than they always thought. But I thought it was interesting to think of failure as an actual like cognitive thing that's happening in your brain that can really take you over and it's there's a lot of cortisol release which is the hormone that causes stress like there's a lot of reasons why a fear response can occur like literally like maybe is kind of like you're actually experiencing something physically inside of you yeah and 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 sometimes for me that's why i love science so much is like understanding that can sometimes make things less scary because you're like oh wow okay i'm going through this like experience like it's natural it's normal but it was one thing that was really interesting was that the more that people failed in the tasks, which I think maybe is what you're going to get to, the better they ended up at the task. Like it was like over time they would fail less. It, it like feels obvious, therapy. but it was also just like another part of the study that felt like, okay, of course, like you, you can't just like be successful off the gate at everything. That's like literally impossible. You're going to suffer through this failure, but you're always going to end up like better but like it's just a complex thing neurochemical thing which i think is interesting like it's 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 an interest i don't know i i fucking love failure <laughs> i'm screaming it's interesting but like even like when you said maybe i'm not all the way there wow because mm, you said maybe you're not what so maybe i'm not all the way there because when you said <laughs> red x's i was like no like red x's you're like actually this test is wrong i don't know you did something like I disagree. this test is wrong uh, science yeah. is a lie where's my let me go find the <laughs> the right wingers over here anyway um but, but no really like no i think that I, I i agree i made a lot of mistakes and maybe not all mistakes like career mistakes but life mistakes like i fell into you know the life of crime because you know i'm a thug um and i just did a lot of things that were wrong or bad or like things that i desired that just did not manifest and i was like what the fuck like why why didn't this manifest and looking back like those things definitely um 
helped me like to do better I think just in my career really I think that like once I was able to like establish the root of why was I so afraid to fail and then change my perspective it's like okay these things really are coming to make me stronger these things really are making me better they're making me wiser they're making me smarter now I have more experience now I know more I understand more about life so now I can make better decisions and I kind of just look at like for me I look at failure as a tool you have to fail you have to make mistakes I think that we're also taught like as a society like it's not safe like you go to a job right and you mess up and then like you get written up you go to a yeah. job and you mess up twice. Now you got two strikes. Right. And now you're Strike getting ready two, to get yeah. fired, you know? And like, so we're taught that like mistakes can't mm. be made. We teach kids to color inside the lines from birth. We teach kids how to properly hold their spoon. And we put spoons in right hands when a kid could be left-handed. And we tell them, yeah. no, that's not right. Hold it like this. You know, like we're constantly as a society, I think like checking children from the beginning like don't do it this way we're putting those x's there <laughs> we're putting those x's there and so it's like does the kid then lean into the x's and say okay i get it i understand i won't do that and now i i can make smarter decisions or does the kid feel rejected Oh, wow. I see. That's the rejection thing. Yeah. Uh, and have that visceral biological response take over and then want to be want to avoid that like really deeply. So, OK, Mitch, now we're going to like now we like admit <laughs> therapy time. <laughs> OK, so OK, so yeah. Like when did you first maybe start? Well, OK, I feel a sort of dichotomy. So, yeah, I think overall I do put myself in lots of situations to push myself and try new things obviously yeah. like we created asap science i love traveling i love taking risks to a degree so i don't feel like i'm so averse to failure or you risk. Went, you went on big brother and had someone film your whole like you you take insane yeah, risks. but there's a sort of it is true though that like failure hits me really hard and then maybe it's the thing when i contextualize something in the right way it's like there's no way to fail now i'm not scared right and so i don't know like i have that both sides of me i feel like now in my life as i'm getting older it's not like i'm more afraid but i'm more entrenched in a weird vision of like having a hard time flipping over from okay how do i say this like i listen to tons of like self-help books and podcasts and love it and i intellectually understand it but it's like my body hasn't caught up is what i feel sometimes where it's like the fear of the body response. Mm. Let's get into it. And y'all can use this or not use this, but let's use it <laughs> as a therapy session. <laughs> the conversation we were having yesterday about your show. Well, what if people don't mm -hmm. see it? Why does it matter? Yeah. Does it, and, and, and does that mean that you have failed if no one watches something that you did? If you write, if no one listens uh. to this podcast, does that mean that we failed? Or did we have a great conversation? Y'all learned some things about me. I learned things about science and things about you. And we move on. That's actually, okay, this is so interesting because like ASAP science, I think works because like what, what you have fundamentally taught me is how to reach a mass audience, reach a bunch of people. Like we've actually had this tension in our life even prior to working together and making ASAP science. Like I always loved like, the most artistic sort of indie like avant-garde thing that like no one saw and I'd be like that changed my life and then Mitch would be like 
yeah, that was good, but like you're actually more interested in like my examples, like Inception or like or like the, like you have like yeah, or Lord of the Rings. No, I'm serious because I'm like Drag there's him. actually incredible. No, I'm like those are incredible masterpieces of like there's actually like to make something that a bunch of people love is an art form in and of itself, and it's actually like you made me realize that there's something so valuable there. But I'm like it's so interesting because I never thought about how that might relate to the fear about the, sh the show not being quote unquote seen by people. Cause it's like, I actually sometimes fundamentally think the best things are the things that not many people see because I'm like a wide audience of people means you've probably watered something down or, but like what the only reason ASAP science has ever worked is cause like, I feel like I, I have like, yeah, I mean, Kendra knows like I do like crazy <laughs> shit. Like I'm more like, I don't know. I don't, I don't care as much about what people think. And there's a lot of value in that in some ways, but I think that no one would be watching the videos that I make about like poppers and, and, and anal gay sex and like these things. And you're like, no, actually, how do we take the idea that you're passionate about and make it be seen by more people? So it's like, I've always appreciated that skill, but it, like that is sort of maybe linked to this issue of like, if people aren't seeing it, is it bad? Cause it, like, do you know what I mean? Like you've well, always for like me, I guess it's kind of like the, what is the metric of success? And I've definitely primed my brain to think of success as like, I've, I've always since a young age been like, I want to have some impact. Maybe this is a fear of death thing of being like, what is the point of me being here? If I don't have some kind of greater impact outside of myself that it's, you know, you leave a legacy on the world and a lot of people. But there's a number attached to it? Well, not specifically, but ever since we especially work in this like online world, obviously it's become easily gripped yeah. with that. When I was younger, it wasn't about that, but it was still about, you know, I want to make something not just for myself. I want to do it to impact other people. And I think I've maybe become entrenched in that view of that being the only form of success. Definitely in more recent years, I've like tried to tell myself, okay, like, you know, enjoy the journey like that is also for you that is like the thing that you can enjoy regardless of what happens but that has not fully translated for sure i also think it's about like it goes back to that thing about like changing your perception and your perspective on your goals right are your goals black and white or are there 50 shades of gray you know we love we love a we love a good Hot. we love christian gray i'm just saying like <laughs> is it black and white or is it shades of gray is it win or lose or is it that you showed up like what is the like you said like greg said like what's the metric is it just being happy is it learning something new in the the instance of what we're talking about from yesterday about the show like it's about learning something new like it's about yeah. having a new experience and and learning new things and being in new environments and being and after being in the pandemic being around people you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. like living your best summer life like there's a lot of things <laughs> like it doesn't have to be black and white that is another thing that we talk about a lot like i mm. have i have a harder time living in shades of gray like mm. for me a lot of my decisions are black and white and there's this side of me that would love nothing more than to just be like so creative and artistic and like really live in that and maybe like leave this world of like digital connectedness and just like live you know somewhere that's like not overly connected and you know like like go away and just explore the world and be on my own and it's like either that or all the way connected yeah no like, it's so oh. funny it's like yeah like you you really are you're in, like it's intense sometimes this yeah and i i want things. both but for some reason i tell myself they cannot 
coexist or I have a hard time living. You said recently that you thought you saw it in your dad. Like there's like, it, it must be something about the way that our parents, like you're like, you well, realize, like, oh, for you sure. raised by your parents. But that's yeah. what I mean. Like, so do you think though that you went from something that you were like raised a certain way to the, like you, like it is like, how did you shift your brain? So like, I also think. Yeah, so here's like the, the cliff note version, right? I grew up really poor. Um, I grew up without a father. My mom didn't really raise me. She got married and left and like lived her best life. So I was like spending a lot of time with other people like who have you know obviously impacted and shaped my life. Um, but part of that was like, I just wanted, I, I was definitely dealing with rejection. And so I wanted to be successful because I wanted people, like I said, to recognize me. But then it was like, I was so good at everything. Like I have, I have the Mitch problem. It's like, oh, I decided I'm gonna dance, I'm a dancer. I decided I'm gonna sing, I'm a singer. Now I'm playing the piano, I'm a pianist. Like, and a pianist, not a penis. You know, I gotta let, <laughs> let your audience know, cause you know, I don't have a penis. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but not for me. Um, so, you know, it's like anything I decided I was gonna do, I would do. When I became an adult, like literally at 18, went away to college, college was no longer about pleasing these people. So for mm. me, I kind of got weird because I was like, uh, what am I supposed to, why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? Like, <laughs> if I'm not living for the applause of my people, what am I doing? And then I started realizing that like, I was like stagnating myself because like, I would like barely show up. I wouldn't be fully like, there and I'm like, the only person I'm cheating is me by not allowing life to be whatever it needs to be by not living for myself and not worrying about what other people think and not worrying about possibly failing and not worry about like all of those things are parameters that other people have set up for me when I start living for myself I can live in gray and that's okay and I actually started finding that like I was just more fulfilled and by being more fulfilled, I was able to actually achieve more because I was happy. Hmm. Yeah. Cause I, I'll say like, I don't think I'm like devoid of this. Like I think like I also take like big risks. Like I do create, like I feel like we both do kind of like really intense things. And I find when I do things, I want to be like, I do have this like drive to like be the best at it. Like I definitely have that in me. Yeah, it's like I'll start working out and then he's like, oh, he's down in the basement working out. And I'm like, Jesus, like <laughs> I'm no, like I'm just like, I cannot have one day more of workout than Greg. He has to always have no, one more. No, 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 no. <laughs> I want to snatch summer bot. I want to snatch summer bot. So like like I'm just like oh, there was something you were saying that was making me think about like it's like it's like I do want to please other people. And I think the only way that I've been able, honestly, the only way I've been able to really cope with that, because I think it does come from being gay. Like I, I like, like my parents were very much like actually like have like an opposite thing. I think of a perfectionist thing where I was like, look, I got an eighty, and they were like, cool. Like they didn't, they wouldn't care whether I got like. It felt at least like they were very much like indifferent about like my, the success maybe they would have cared if you were like failing exactly like i never gave them that option and neither did my sister but it felt like it was almost like could you maybe praise me a little bit more <laughs> but um but i think i honestly think science has helped me because i really think like about like the present and like i don't know that much about what happens after all of this and like our sentience is like important to me so i think that's why sometimes i'm like Yes, I want to be the best at these things, but I have to enjoy the process and I have to enjoy every aspect of life 
which sounds like it could be stressful, but it's actually like kind of not because I do think life is kind of like amazing. Like when you look at it, like I have a hard time looking at the bad things in life that that I like I honestly think science has kind of helped me because it's like also zooming out, zooming out in a failure moment, like being like, I'm just one person on this earth and this universe just doesn't matter. Like that's also helped me cope because I think I think fundamentally I, st- I have something similar to you. Like I want mm-hmm. to be the best at the thing I'm doing and I don't feel good if I'm like failing or whatever. I relate to that. And I, and I, I think that like the way you use science to like understand that, I use faith to understand that. Like seeing something mm. way bigger than myself, understanding the big picture and understanding that like for me, for me, failure was like, like I said, it stagnated me. Like I would just procrastinate <laughs> and like mm. not take the step because it's better to not take the step to me then. It was like better to not take the step than to do it and mess up or to do it yeah. and to fail. And so then like when I like stepped back and like in my faith opened my eyes up to the big picture of like me not stepping out could cause a bad reaction to something else in my life or someone else's life. Then it was like, okay, you kind of got to learn to go with the flow on some things. Like everything can't be in your control. I also think, no shade to Mitch, that people who (laughs) deal with this like have control issues. Uh, Yeah. And feel the need to like, not just control like their own path, but everyone around them and like what's happening. And it's like, even if it's not like, it's never, I don't think it's malicious. It's just like, you always want to have a grasp on all the things. And it's like, your hands totally. are only it's so big. It's tied to like anxieties of, and, and obviously fear of failure. I don't know which comes first. Is it like anxiety? <laughs> Is it stress? Is it fear of failure? Right? It's like all these things that you're like, you don't necessarily know why, but a lot for a lot of people who suffer from anxiety, it is like a mat, like to control the things in your life makes you feel more comfortable because you mm. are avoiding something, right? Like, so to have things a certain way makes you feel like, okay, it's not it's not that I want to control anyone. And I, I hope I'm not like overly controlling, like in this little working session. <laughs> <laughs> only only Greg can answer but that I one. Definitely, I have a like, no, yeah, and, and in that way, I'm also black or white. It's in or out. It's like, if I'm gonna be involved in this, and I've said this and I've tried to improve on this myself, but it used to be like, if you want my notes or you want me to engage in this video, I'm gonna be all in. Because like for me, it feels like now it's partially my project and I'm gonna have all these different anxieties about other things. So you need to know once I step in, like it's gonna be all over the place. And it just goes back to that kind of black or white thing. I have a hard time being like, you know what? I can give you just some notes and then walk away and let you do your video. Um, I'm kind of just like going all over the place here, but it is, I'm just like, what is it? No, but isn't, I feel like Kendra's like, you found the root cause. I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, Mitch, like, but you know what? Literally, but I'm thinking like, about it and I'm like, F that. Greg does too. I'm sitting here really thinking like, this yeah, is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is like no, real know, manager tea. Take him down. Yes, here yes. we go. I'm gonna, this is the thing. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you when Greg does it. Cause like, it's coming to me now. Like getting all my manager vibes, like we'll sit in meetings and I'll literally go, okay, you know, I'm going to tell Zach that, you know, we're down to do it, but we need $10,000 more to do it. And it needs to be done on this day. Here goes Greg. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so Kendra, what you need to do is you need to call Zach <laughs> and let Zach know that like we're totally down to do it, but like for ten thousand more. And at this time, I'm like, 
did you just straight white man splain me? Like, <laughs> I literally just said that, but that's like Greg like reprocessing things and grabbing it yeah, like, no, I said to true. do this. And it's like, yeah, you don't no, have no, to. It's, we agree. <laughs> no, no, it's weirdly like, it's it's like, it's not that I need to say to do it. It's like, I actually, like, it is a form of control where I'm like, like, it's like me saying it to you means that, like, you're gonna do it more or something. You said it like, to your showrunner today. Okay, so what you need to do, I said, oh, she know what she need to do? Like, <laughs> no, yeah, I definitely, I definitely, like, this is a, also a funny thing that me and Mitch always talk about. It's like, sometimes, like, the more extreme version, like, of the other person, like, there's other things that, like, not to do with failure, though, that, like, that Mitch, like, it's like in your personality but like it gets overlooked because it's so like a thing i struggle with that it's like sometimes hard for you to find the space to maybe work on the thing yourself because we're always like oh there's greg's issue like and it's like we but it's like i do think i have similar fear of failure and perfectionism things but then sometimes because it's something that plagues you like maybe more deeply it's like hard for me to like notice and work on it because it's like and i bet people in partnerships feel this all the time you start to fall into your sort of like yeah, you're this way. I'm this way. Yeah, and then you forget. Like, then I go hang out with like my like laissez-faire friends, and I'm like, holy shit! I am like, you know, controlling the situation. I, none of my friends would ever think I'm anything but like the most overachieving psycho. You know what I mean? Like, as I'm like, and then you're like, holy shit! Yeah, it's just because I'm like around Mitch, and we focus on this aspect of him. So it's like. I definitely have my fucking shit, and I yell at Kendra to do shit. That she's <laughs> Literally, I'm just like, you are like the straightest white man, non-straight <laughs> white man I know. I'm just like, if you tell me oh, one more time, if you tell me one more time what I just said, literally, I can like come up with a, like literally, Greg's a colonizer. I can like come up with an idea, you know, and I take this personally as a woman of color, you know, it's like I can come up with an idea, literally, like. The manager is canceling. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm canceling ASAP now. It's like literally, I could be like, you know, we really, you know, need to need to use, you know, a lip a lip cream, and then Greg is like, you know what we should do? We should use a lip cream. <laughs> but I'm like, Greg. Okay. Anyway, I have a question for y'all. Mm-hmm. Spicy. Do you believe that anything that isn't perfect is a failure? Intellectually, I do not believe that. So, like, I definitely oh, yeah. can appreciate things that are not perfect and, in fact, can understand that imperfection is, like, what makes people interesting. And that if everyone's perfect, no one's interesting, right? And so there's something there that, like, doesn't compute between brain and body for me where it's, like, for myself. You know when you give advice to people, like, and generically and, like, you know you don't take it yourself. It's like, I know the advice is right and I know whatever, but then it's like, but for me, I'm not gonna do that. I almost am like, I almost feel like I do think that if something isn't perfect, it's a failure. Like, like, that's a really good question. Like, I just am having this moment where I'm like, I don't use the word perfect very, like, I don't really think anything is perfect, but then the so moment- like, everything's a failure. Well, no, no, I'm just like, it's so interesting. I'm just like, oh yeah. Like, I, like, I don't, I th- okay, yeah, I think, I think I also don't, I don't like binaries. And so I think f- perfect and failure, they, they, they're, they're like binary sounding concepts. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that, like, I think I rarely use either of them, but right. there's something that like there where it's like, if something, for something to be perfect is very rare for me. And like, it's a thrill and it's like an amazing thing to see. 
and everything else is sometimes maybe like not perfect and I'm like aware of that do you know what I mean whereas I, I like I, I don't know that's just like a really good question do you feel that way no and even in myself no because like None of us have perfect bodies, you know. Greg is giving us fake dad bod, you know what I'm saying? I'm giving you, I'm giving you fat girl friendly Lizzo, you know. I'm giving you light skin Lizzo, um, you know what I'm saying? Well, not really, cause sis, but you know, a little tighter. Um, but you know, I'm giving that, and to me, like that doesn't mean that like my body is a failure or that my body is ugly or that your body's ugly. It's not perfect. It just is. And I think that like, um, I used to feel like how Mitch felt like, I'll tell other people like, no, it doesn't have to be perfect, it's okay. But I'm telling myself, uh, no, bit, you better get it together, like it has to be perfect. But I think, like I said, I mean, part of that healing process for me about like rejection really helped me deal with that. It's like, I was being rejected for stuff that was not even like measurable, you know? It's like, you're not being rejected because you got D's in school. You're being rejected because you came from the wrong side of town. You know, it's like, that's not really measurable. Like we're, mm -hmm. we're not measuring data here. I need give me a number. Give me something logical that tells me that this is bad. But then even now it's like, I've accepted, I guess my fully evolved grown self is like, but even those numbers, who cares? I've gotten past that. So it goes back into this conversation about like views and numbers and like I don't even care about that so I don't feel that anything that isn't you know perfect is a failure I feel like maybe it's an opportunity if you want to be perfected so like it's like us like sitting down and looking at views on videos so you have a video that pops off and it gets five million views then you have a video that slow crawls to 300,000 right we use it as an opportunity to look at what could we have done? Is there a learning from this? Is there something I should gain from this? And then how can I apply it moving forward versus looking at it like, oh my God, we suck, let's just kill the channel. You know? Yeah, that, that, that is something that I, I know, I think it came through my teacher's college because like teaching is all about doing things and teaching the students to reflect it was always all about reflection. Yeah. And I think that maybe helped me there. It's like, I really love reflecting on whatever, like exactly that. Like when a video does, doesn't do well, there's actually a more exciting intellectual story happening there. Whereas when a, a video does really well, it's a bit more like dopamine, endorphins. I go smoke my joint, have a drink on the patio. I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm sick. <laughs> but then it's like, when it doesn't, I actually, there's like a bit of a thrill there that's deeper. It's like, what was it? And I get, I get like, I got excited to reflect. You panic though too. Sometime. Don't sit here and try to tell your people yeah, that yeah. you get excited. He does get excited, but he panics. Like you panic. Yeah. No, I panic, but I'm just saying like, I, I like get a bit excited about the process of trying to figure out like what went wrong yeah. and like how to improve it. And I don't think of it. I don't blame my, I usually I'm like, there's like something else. Like I don't ever think the video is bad. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. actually, I'm like, I don't either. Good. Usually, yeah. I am more just like, I get more upset if I think we did something really good and it didn't get as much uh, attention. But or why? Love as I hoped it did. I don't know. We're back. No, I mean, We're back obviously, at the <laughs> yeah, obviously, it's because I have, and I think a lot of performers, artists have this problem is like an external loci of acceptance and approval, right? So, definitely at some point in my life, I was taught 
you get validation from outside and that's like your source of how you test if you're and, and then that goes back to being gay like not to re say everything we said but it is like if you're trying and and we talked about this before between us like i'm more straight passing as a kid and so maybe i you didn't if you're gonna get called gay you are it's easier for you to be like okay i'm just gay like whatever i and can't I hide this my, yeah. whereas because i'm closer to straight passing at least in the way i was acting it's like you're constantly measuring yourself based on how other people are perceiving you mm. and so and i could get away with it so i could adapt and change myself in a way but it is a view of the world where you're just looking at other people to understand how to act and that has been also like a curse in even my art like anytime i want to write music I can start, but this I always go to how other people perceive it. And of course, the irony is that's become a skill in some ways, like for making and sharing videos about science, it's thinking about how do other people see this or think about it, how will they interact with it, and that is a skill, but it also is a curse, I think. Well, yeah, you have the ability to, to conceptualize end user experience, which is mm. a very coveted skill in business, right? It's like, whenever I create a new program or create a new offering or something like that, I'm always thinking about how are people going to perceive this in that way? But I'm not thinking about, I want them to approve. Right. How someone perceives mm. it and how they interact with it and how they receive it versus whether or not they approve it. Those are two it's different things. Yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. That's, that's true. Interesting. Do you, do you not feel then like, I feel that maybe it, my identity is melded to the things I do. Absolutely. So it's hard for me to separate myself from a thing I've made or care about. And and maybe that is the area to practice is hmm. being like, the thing you made is not you. It's just like a thing you made, a representation. Oh, wow. So if I, yeah. And I know, I know, I also want to say like, I think everyone does suffer this, right? At least throughout yeah, their life. Degree, and it is like, sure. we all know or we all hear, you know, for every one negative comment, you need 30 positive ones. Like your eye always goes to the negative. There must be a human evolutionary trait, as you talked about, that is just like protective, to be aware for threats, to be aware for like things that are going bad. Well, yeah, it's like we talk about it all the time on ATOP Science. It's like if you underestimate a danger and it is dangerous, Put yourself at risk. you die. die. Yeah. Yeah. If you overestimate a danger, it actually ends up not being dangerous. Maybe there's a bit of embarrassment. You don't die. So it's like we are literally programmed. It's like, like better to be yes. over worried like, or overthink. But obviously not. Now it comes yeah. to the extreme of mental health. And anxiety. Like, like you, you talked a lot about anxiety, as I think that that's an interesting thing that might be related that I think I know I suffer less than you do from. But the anxiety is fully linked to that. It's about. It's actually about the fear of failure. This kind of links ways. to my study that I'm going to bring up. It's a short one, okay? Um, and there's, well, the first part I want to say is one third of entrepreneurs. Have you heard of that? Entrepreneurs? <laughs> People who want to be entrepreneurs but aren't. Oh. It's because of fear. So there's like hmm. a, a, of everyone yeah. who wants to be, one third don't do it because they're too afraid of failure. Entrepreneurs. Um, but what they found out, especially in people who uh, either own their own business or major in business, is that there's this parasite found in cat poo that is what? more present in those people. And they believe Wait. that parasite <laughs> affects people's fear response. They've tested it in mice. And what? Mice who have this parasite are not afraid of cats. So they've actually like that same parasite for people who are more likely to take business or have them. Obviously, this is not everyone. Wait, 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 <laughs> okay, wait, so wait, 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 no, but say it again. Is the parasite 
increasing your fear or helping you cope with fear? Minimizing. Your fear. Minimizing. So people the fear. who have, if you, oh. well, I call me parasite patty because. I mean, yeah, I'm not I know. Like, I guess like, I, maybe you got it. And I'm like, the, I'm dirty transition. as fuck. Maybe I shouldn't have, maybe I ate the right soil when I was a kid. So you, like, are you serious? What I parasite mean, is that? Bottle that shit, entrepreneurs and sell down. it. I could find the name. I didn't write it down. Um, Mitch, that's such a left field. So funny. I we're, know we're, we're no, making, no, I'm, like, made, I'm just like, that's why. We're making parasite pasta tonight and we're going to conquer all of our yeah. fears. <laughs> like what? But it's, no, but that's, what it, but it is so interesting. Like it is all is rooted in physiological responses in your body. And like your anxiety is rooted in physiology and science. Like, it, Of course. And that's something I think about a lot is, you know, okay, here's, here's the meta answer is like, we are all different and we need to accept who we are if i'm supposed to like not be afraid of failure but it's my natural instinct to be afraid of failure should i like should that not be okay does that make sense yeah no no it does i think it is like, okay but they, some people will naturally have more anxiety than others yeah. right there is a scale some will have zero and some will have the most and most people will be around the middle and so the question is is that just the way life is or do you try and bring people closer no. to the middle or i'm gonna tell you why what if your fear of failure is keeping you from curing cancer? But what if, no, that's true, fair. But sometimes the fear, like perfectionism, that doesn't, that could lead to many negative things in someone's life, but it could also okay. make them do something incredible. I have, a, I have an intense question, which is it's, are you happy? That's it. Oh yeah, no, fair. Like that. Yeah, obviously. so that's the thing is like, I think that, that is more the question. Well, I so this and and Brene Brown talks about this a lot, and I've heard her. I think with Tim Ferriss once talk because he expressed something that I feel, which is if I you know let go of these fear responses, shame, and am just content, will I still have the desire to do well, yeah. to make art, to like be quote unquote the best? Obviously, like we don't mean the best, but I think you. So like, Kend well, Kendra, you said something else, which was like, you think that you're maybe more successful now because you got over that thing. So my example of something like that is like, I noticed like with stand-up comedy, it's like, I'm, I do so well when I'm in an environment where I'm not afraid of failure. And I just like, it's only when, you, it's like, it's crazy how I just think counter, like, it's just, it's like, sounds like corny and that's very like Oprah vibes, but I'm like, I'm not kidding. I think once you unlock the thing you probably are like you it's like you're gonna be so successful it's true i don't know My maybe not no, i don't know. I, I think like that but you don't think that maybe that's the issue you don't think that my mentees jokingly call me opronce like oprah and beyonce so that means <laughs> i had to have internally overcome something right because there i have no fear like right now like i haven't even talked to y'all about this like offline but here we are like i'm getting ready to open like another division in my business doing something that I've done, but like it's, it feels a little left field, but I've been knowing this was the thing. And like my life's journey this year has proven like, yes, sis, this is the thing, right? I'm not afraid to do it. I just need to make a plan. And so that could also be a thing too, right? It's like Mitch being a person who deals with this a little bit more than the rest of us. Do you make a plan and execute that plan? Or do you not make a plan at all? Or do you make a plan, but you're too scared to take the step to complete the, the plan? 
I mean, it's a mix. I, like the things that I've done well, and it's obviously the ones that I get far enough along. But there are definitely times when, yeah, I spend more time planning than actually doing because it's almost like a defense mechanism to minimize the risk. You plan and figure out, and I learn every single program and spend all this time like teaching myself things. But then it's like it never goes into the realm of actually like stepping into the space that I want it to be in in the first place. So it varies based on projects or aspirations, but. Yeah, I don't know. But okay, I just still think like it's No, you're like probably you're right. Brene Brown Brene Brown says the same thing. She's like the people who are actually the best at what they do have released themselves from yeah. the fear. And it goes back to that sort of dichotomy thing of like being like I'm either going to like move to India and like teach <laughs> yoga or like or like and not have a phone or like I can't or I'm here and I'm on my phone and I'm plagued or like it's like the binaries. It's like you think like either I'm going to it's like I if I give up this anxiety and this perfectionism, I'm all of a sudden going to hop over to the other binary side where I do nothing. Mm. Right? It's like, no, it's not that. It's just that you're going to maybe relieve yourself of this thing and you're going to end up probably, as Brene Brown says, not me. I'm Greg Brown. <laughs> um, probably end up really successful. You know what I mean? In that middle ground. Is there also the idea of doing it afraid? Shit. I feel like I've lived most of my life doing things afraid. Oh. Like, being afraid, yeah, I think that's a, but doing it. Like, it's actually, like, better. Yeah, to uh. be used to. Honestly, like, one of my, mm. like, therapy things that I was supposed to do, but never did, was I was supposed to tell bad jokes in front of people. Because I had this, I mean, I had talked about how Greg's, like, really funny, and I'm, like, introverted and quiet, and so I feel, like, insecure about my ability to be funny, and then through therapy, it was like, well, what's what's actually the risk, right? And this kind of yeah. goes back to your exposure therapy of when you do something more. I guess my therapist's whole point was if you're gonna be feeling anxious and embarrassed and tell these bad jokes and nothing bad's gonna happen. Like, huh. who cares? But I literally could never work up. The, oh <laughs> like my the God, okay, tell us, tell us so a bad joke. A party where yeah, yeah, tell that joke. Tell us a bad joke. Knock, knock. Who's there? Who's there? Tree. Tree who? <laughs> Treebeard from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Wait, wait, was that hard? I like it. Well, I mean, it wasn't, I didn't even know what I was going to say, so I don't know. No, no, but that's great. But that's great, not knowing what you're going to say. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to think. I'm going to tell, tell a bad joke, too. Okay. Let's okay. tell bad jokes. Greg, we know you have lots of them. Um, okay. Let's see. That was a good job. <laughs> um, where, where did, no, how, was it how or where, Kendra? See, <laughs> where did crows drink before there were bars? Car. Car. Uh, They're cars. That was probably a better uh, joke than the actual joke. They drank at home. Oh, hey, what is it? Oh. <laughs> oh. See? A mean, bad joke. Have what happened? Oh. Nothing. <laughs> your turn, Greg. Um, okay, my joke is physical. Just tell one of your comedy jokes. Yeah, Greg, <laughs> me. Um, no, oh my god. Okay, this, okay, I don't have like a locked and loaded knock-knock joke or something. <laughs> I made that one up on the spot. Um, okay. A non-funny joke. Oh my god, I'm actually panicking. Who's the perfectionist? Maybe I'm the one that's like, uh, Who's the perfectionist Wait, now? stop yelling at me. You're all yelling at me. <laughs> I'm like a full meltdown. Oh my god. 
Um, I don't know any jokes. I just remember there was like this. Oh, there's like this girl. Okay, so I was I was swimming. It's a physical joke. So we have to explain to the people over like on like okay, listening. Yeah, explaining a joke. So I was swimming funny. along. It's already not funny. And then I, I love this. And then, <laughs> and I got my you succeeded. And then I got my arm cut off. But it was amazing because I grabbed my arm and I shoved it back on, and it was so awesome. I was like, two thumbs up. And then it, <laughs> that's actually funny. Y'all can see him, but he has one thumb up and one thumb down. Like I put my thumb on wrong. Two thumbs and I was like, two oh, thumbs that up. Was that was actually funny. funny. I might use that one. Oh, oh shit. You fail. Yeah, shit. Well, once I, I there's this long mouth bullfrog joke that I love that's like ten minutes, and I did tell that once and at the ten minute mark, everyone was like I like stopped and we looked like and mad. was like Eh, like that, and everyone was like, "Was that the punchline?" It was like really bad because it was like ten minutes long. So maybe that experience. Okay, how did this make you feel, Mitch? Telling your joke about Treebeard that was not funny. Well, because we're this is such a safe environment, and we were intentionally doing it. I think there was still the level of fear response, but it wasn't as harsh as it might have been had you guys just been if you thought I was earnestly telling that joke. You know what I mean? So do you? So do you care a lot about what people think of you in like a party setting? I, it's that binary thing again like sometimes it's literally no not at all like but then I, I, in a party setting I just like don't go to parties <laughs> well this is the thing when you were talking about control I thought it was something very interesting because it's like you like I, like when you were like Greg will know if he's like controlling and I'm like I, I think you have your like moments but in general I would I would be like you're not that controlling but what you do is you avoid situations that are out of your control so I noticed like I'm like always you know now like things are getting better I'm like I'm wanting to go to the beach which is like there's a lot of things you have to you have to get on a boat you have to go like I had to make a fire to stay warm at night there's a lot of these things that like are very like you kind of have to deal with the elements and I noticed that you'll you're like I'm tapping out because it's like you actually have to kind of embrace those moments and and understand that things are going to be out of your control and I sometimes wonder it's like you actually to me aren't very controlling but i noticed that there's parts of your life that i think you miss out on because you avoid maybe uh, this yeah, is just like putting something on here and i need a lot of mental not. prep to do the things that are out of my control so that i can at least contextualize yeah. which parts are going to be out of my control or like that i need to be prepared for the anxiety that might come with them etc etc so it's like you're like avoiding the party fully rather than go yeah it's like if i'm at a party it's because i've decided i can probably handle it you yeah know? and you're either like i don't give a shit what anyone thinks here or it's like it's it's because it's a party where it's mostly the friends that or i actually like feel friends. safe around yeah. and i'm not that's why i don't love big parties because i'm like there are a lot of people here that i don't know and i feel awkward and uncomfortable and i'm not oh my god Mitch, that's crazy <laughs> i really want to have a vaccine party where we have to prove that you're a double vaccine i have so many people from toronto and mitch is like it's literally getting and i'm realizing now it's because it's like there's going to be people there that you're not that aren't your close friends yeah yeah i don't think that's that weird though like to that's not weird people you like. However, no it's not weird. <laughs> avoidance is a part of fear yeah totally avoidance is a part of fear I think it's like trying to learn when to understand to move the line, right? Because sometimes it's like, you know what? People have preferences. I, I don't think it's that big of a deal to be like, I'd rather just party with my closer group of friends. That could still be like 15 people. It's not like the number matters. It's like the intimacy. I'd rather be around people I want to engage with and spend time with. Mm -hmm. But there is a line that I have to decide sometimes for myself. like. Okay, but what if there's four people I don't know? Like, is that too many? What if there's oh ten God. people I don't know? And it is like, yeah, being able to like put yourself in discomfort 
how far will you take that before? Because also remember, anxiety and these kind of things are not in your control, at least yeah. in the moment, right? Mm -hmm. Of course, you can work on them and practice and come up with strategies, which are all forms of control, right? Like most therapy for anxiety is often, if it's not drugs, is managing the anxiety. Hmm. And so that's why I mean, like sometimes different people are just different and, yeah, and I want to push myself in your brain. It's um, I think it's finding the yeah. tools ultimately that yeah. can help you push past. Question. Wow. Do you fear confrontation? Just yes or no? Yeah, but uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Sure. Just yes or no? Okay, yes. Do you fear confrontation? <laughs> yes, I okay. fear confrontation. Now, here is the question where you get to answer. <laughs> is it because you are afraid of losing or is it because you are afraid of how you are perceived? Oh my God, I love this. It's because I'm afraid of how I am perceived. And I'm a, no, what am I? You know what? Because I, if I think, if I know I'm right, I'm fine with confrontation. So but you're maybe afraid to fear lose. Of being wrong. And you're, yeah. so that means you're actually dealing with like perfectionism. And Greg, you are actually dealing with fear of rejection. Hmm. You're afraid of yeah. how people no, perceive sure. you when you go yeah. off. Mitch is only gonna go off if he knows he's right. If he's not sure, he's not gonna yeah. go off because he doesn't want to lose. Y'all are wild. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, but you only gave us two answers and they both led to something. What are you? But but it's one of those two things. You're only afraid of. Oh, okay, so like, I see. Like we're that. way off from. We're not really way off from failure. But I can talk Wait, about. No, but what about you? What about you? I'm, I'm not afraid of confrontation. Haven't you seen? <laughs> oh yeah. I'm your oh, manager. Yeah, you have to just not I've be confronted y'all. Yeah, I've confronted other people. I confronted. No, no, you are I confronted not your old manager. I confront anybody. Yeah. I will confront yeah. anybody. Like and 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 for me, it's not about being right or wrong. It's about bringing the conversation out that no one wants to talk about. If we're tiptoeing yeah. around the fact that you know Greg has ugly feet, I will say. <laughs> There they are. I, I don't know if they are. I don't. I didn't look, so I'm not like dragging you. But okay, if if we're if we are talking about the fact that um, Greg is gassy, I'm not gonna oh, avoid am. the conversation just because I don't know a whole bunch about flatulence. I'm gonna say, <laughs> Greg, with your old gassy ass. Like I'm gonna say it. You know, like yeah. I'm not afraid to. Yeah. I think I think part of that is cultural too. Like being a black person, like. We're naturally just more like, let's just call this thing out because I, I don't want to tiptoe. We're not going to be passive aggressive. We're just going to be very direct. So I don't, yeah, I don't that is fear such confrontation. A white person thing to be passive aggressive. It is. It yeah. is also yeah. like even culturally, a country like we Canadian. notice as Canadians, we're way more passive and yeah. like we've passive been in like a New York sandwich though. shop. Oh yeah, passive aggressive as well. Yeah, yeah. But we've like <laughs> waited for our meal for like thirty minutes and realized like everyone was just going in front of us grabbing. Yeah, and, like we were one too of the scared. first times we did an ASAP science trip to New York, we left a sandwich shop and we like noted it. We're like, we need to change the way we act here. <laughs> then li literally, they like gave our sandwich to someone else and they. <laughs> eventually made it and they put it off to the side and then they were pissed at us for standing for half an hour we were like we just wanted another they're like, they're like ready. obviously someone else took it because you waited so long but then, then this is the, here there's another order take this one i'm like you're mad at us you didn't give us the thing like and then we left and we were like holy shit we need to really change because but it's true we were annoyed we were mad we didn't like the restaurant but all the other new yorkers who went in and grabbed their shit and left and were in their face had a really great time at that restaurant so like there is a passive aggressive thing that that we also have as Canadians mm -hmm. like you're totally right like we are not we should definitely should never be high on our horse our country's yeah. <laughs> wow oh my god that that confrontation question is so good can you say it again because I want to ask it to people okay. so it's only for people who are afraid of confrontation yes it's the question that 
delineates to the perfectionism to the well not necessarily only if you're not afraid of confrontation are you a person who just always thinks that you're right or Mm. are you a like are you a person who feels like you're normally on the right side of things let's say that you're normally on the right side of things or are you a person who some people just like to fight, man. Some people like to argue. Yeah. I'm not one of those people. Yeah. I think I don't think I'm always right, but I know I'm always on the right side of, pe- uh, like morally, on the right side of things. If I bring something up and I confront it, it's not just to be a B or to have something to say. It's because mm. I, in my moral compass, feel like this needs to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. So like- And I really like, I like people who like I'm really drawn to people who can handle confrontation like I sit there and I'm like oh that's so hot and cool you know what I mean like I'm like I think it's not I like I'm aware that it's not a bad thing like I don't like I don't like it for me because of like what I said but I like to like see it it's admirable and I have friends who are like good at it and I'm like I really appreciate like it makes me a good manager for y'all and honestly not just y'all like I have 22 like full-time like retainer clients right everybody is pretty much like brilliant, but like won't stand up for themselves. So like, I, mm. I'm like, everyone's like advocate. I'm like, oh, word, you want more money from this corporation? No problem. We're not doing that for less than this. Or like, oh, like you're scared to stand up to this former employer of yours who's like bothering you because you're an influencer now? No. I will send them an email like, <laughs> oh, this company wants to get in the ring before we call the lawyers, call me. Like, you know, like, yeah. I think for me, there's a yeah, thing no, about like, true. I think part, and then like, this is a childhood thing too, right? Like when I, because I felt like no one advocated for me, I advocate for people mm. who like, sometimes don't have a voice in certain right. situations or are too nervous mm. to deal with it. Um, it could be mm. me. Be, I mean, maybe I'm being a crutch. Maybe you guys need to just start confronting stuff on your own. But <laughs> um, but I just like, you know, like, you know, in, in our not disclosing, but like on our situation when I was like, no, you treat them like this, not just on paper, not just in pay. You treat them this way. It's the right thing. You know, for me, it's like I, I am a big like just advocate for what is right and being treated firm but fairly because I treat everyone around me and the people who work for me like firm and fairly and I think that like that's that's why I'm I'm not gonna say I'm confrontational why I'm not afraid of confrontation yeah totally uh, yeah I don't think you ever uh, at least in front of us have ever been confrontational out of line ever no um okay before we like because we're kind of hitting uh near the end but I want to go back to and see if we can get more out of like your transformation from going from a person who felt like they were afraid of failure to not because I can think of like lots of people that I know and I'm sure many many people listening Mm. who are in that spot I still feel like that myself I'm like I I know I want to get there and I know you know there's never any perfect so it's not a matter of like turning it completely around but can you think around like are there other things you can think about that transition and what actually propelled you to go from being afraid of failure to just being like you know what i can find my the truth in myself or whatever yeah i think two well three things right healing through a lot of my trauma two failing over and over and then learning from those failures but i think the big one as i'm sitting here like really processing and thinking about it is that I just don't give myself a plan B. Plan A has to work. Mm. So at this point, like because I failed a lot, I kind of know that plan A will work at this point. But I've never had a crutch or a safety net. 
I never that had. That is so interesting. Yeah. I sometimes feel like, um, like, because obviously ASAP Science has been like very successful over the last many years. But before it was, we were like taking the risk, going out there, whatever. Mm. But once we have the safety net, you sometimes tell yourself, if I have a safety net, I can do anything. But sometimes the safety net is what makes you go, well, wow. why am I going to yeah. risk the safety net? Why would I? Yeah. Why would I step off the cliff when I have the safety net? And I do think about that sometimes, where a lot of people cushion themselves because it feels like once I cushion enough, I can jump off anything. But the cushion then but becomes something. Oh, that's so interesting. Then the cushion yeah. though becomes something that you could lose. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to be mm-hmm. ready to be risky when you don't have anything to lose. It's like, okay, I don't have anything to lose. Mm-hmm. There is no plan yeah. B. Like even for me, like moving away, like people are always like, Oh my god, you've lived everywhere. Like I've lived in DC, in Cali, in every city in Texas, in Nashville, in Mexico, in Toronto, in Atlanta. Like I've lived in so many places. Like, how do you just I'm like I don't have a fallback game. I don't have like a family home to go back to. Like if anything fell through, y'all can go back to Guelph. You know what I mean? Like, well, you can go back to Guelph. I don't know where your parents live, but you know, it's like where you're from. You know, it's like you can go back where you're from. I can't do that. Like I take care of my mama, wow. you know? So like there is no fallback plan. All of my other older, you know, elder relatives have died. There is no fallback plan. I am most people's fallback plan, you know? So it's like, I don't have the mm. opportunity to have a plan B. I have to take the risk and take the leap, whether I have the cushion or not. Now I'm in a place, you know, your girl, big ball of shot calling, but <laughs> I still take the risks because I've safeguarded yeah. that 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 money. I've safeguarded that positioning and like creating this new division. I'm about to jump out and probably throw a quarter million dollars at jumping out and doing something. If I lose it, I lose it. But I doubt I'm going to lose it because I have failed so many times in this area. I know what success looks like and I understand the plan to get there. So I think those are the three things you have to heal. You have to fail over and over so you learn and learn. You can't just fail. (laughs) You have to fail and then use it to learn. But then you also have to think of it like advice for somebody who's though afraid of failure if you have to fail and fail because i can think of myself and others who would be like in a position where that's that how do you get past that step and you haven't failed a lot in your life yeah and, and it you know is what i mean you haven't uh, i don't think that's necessarily true but sorry from my perspective i'm like you're pretty yeah but i i still think that's just like an outside view like i mm. definitely feel like i have failed mm. in my own view but there definitely are times where like that fear does stop me and, and like obviously I, I understand and intellectually appreciate the value of failing but I how do you get past that hurdle to be like I will make my not make myself fail but run towards failure if I have to so I would say like ask yourself a question ask yourself like if I died tomorrow and never took the risk would I be satisfied mm. and for me it's always a burning no no, mm. like, for instance, let's say, like, you guys decided you wanted to have a child or something, right? And then you're kind of scared. You're like, I don't know. Like, are we going to be good parents? Like, we're kind of weird. Like, Greg farts a lot, and he has gout, <laughs> and he's into Ernie's boner, and Mitch is like perfect Patty. Oh you know what I mean? Mitch is like perfect Patty, and then there's like Greg. Greg's like Linus. <laughs> Greg's like Linus from Charlie Brown, like just without the blanket. Instead of the blanket, it's a hat, you know? And it's like, are we going to be good parents? Ask yourself if I died tomorrow and never was a father, would I feel fulfilled? 
Yeah, that's a really good way mm. to ask yourself something. That's true. Yeah. That there's a similar skill with even just appreciating the things in your life, being like, if that person died tomorrow, if I didn't have that yeah. tomorrow, gratitude. How like would gratitude I feel? Thing, yeah. And it's because it's easy to get sucked up in the moment mm -hmm. and just be like, this is shitty or whatever. But okay, I know we really have to go, but I have one more question about the healing. Is that therapy? Is that? I think like, it's multiple things, right? So like for me, obviously, like faith is so important to me. So like prayer, my prayer time and meditation time was really vital coupled with therapy coupled with myself unpacking like right now so like i'm in houston right now i'm based in atlanta i was supposed to be home already so this would have been with my beautiful lovely background but it's not <laughs> because over this weekend like something from my like spiritual mental emotional attic got unpacked it got like the box got opened up and i was like oh i haven't dealt with this like it's mm. like it's like having a closet of dead snakes like i need to sweep up the debris and throw it out and put the trash on the curb and instead of doing mm. that every time i defeat something or overcome something i just kill the snake and throw it in the closet so you open the mm. closet and it's like a flood of dead snakes like oh that's God. bad that's really bad yeah. you know <laughs> And Unless you're trying to make a purse. Honestly, no, whoa, hey, no, no, we're not making a purses purse out of snakes. snakes. <laughs> I made an evil type of noise as an oh evil my gosh, person. Like we're, a sustainable, we're sustainable queens. We're not making snakes <laughs> Except when it comes to snakes. Okay, there, that was my bad joke. Okay, <laughs> okay finally. But actually, like, this isn't, you know, an episode about dreams, but I had a dream about this closet of dead snakes about two months ago literally opening the double doors in a room that I had not been in in a long time that was just like clean and it was like a little guest room. And I went in the closet, opened the two doors and like dead, dead snakes just started pouring out. And I'm deathly afraid of snakes in real life. Like, oh, I mean, cartoons, the emoji, don't send me a snake, you know? <laughs> like I literally fear just like comes like over me. So in the dream, I had to like open the closet and all these dead snakes like pour out into the room. That was two months ago. Well, this past weekend, someone brings up something that triggers the reminder of the dead snakes. And I call my therapist and I'm like hysterically crying. And I'm like, what is going on? And she said, you've been housing the spoils of war and you need to get rid of them. She said, so go you know, into the closet, sweep up the snakes, throw them away and put them on the curb. And so over, the reason I'm still here is because I want to heal in this area. I want to have time and space not in my home to deal with those things. So it's not just prayer and meditation. It's not just therapy. It's you deciding you're ready to unpack your trauma. Am I ready mm. to unpack the fact that as a child I was rejected because I was gay? Am I ready to unpack the fact that I was competing with a sibling who may have been superior to me? Am I ready to deal with the fact and unpack that thing? So whatever it is, am I ready to un unpack, you know, childhood sexual abuse and trauma? Am I ready to unpack every part of my life that I have experienced trauma from eight years old to now? I've had to consciously say, okay, I'm gonna sit still in this and start unpacking. And what unpacking looks like is like, how did it feel when these people did this? What was my response? Am I proud of that response? Why or why not? What could I have done better here? Can I forgive and release and let go of that time? And that's like what healing looks like to me. That's what healing looks like to me. Like whether you are spiritual and you pray and meditate or whether you just go to therapy or you do both or whatever your practice is, 
you have to do that third part, no matter who you are and where you are. Mm-hmm. You have to sit still in it and say, can I deal with what was happening at that time? Wow. I guess I got to do that. <laughs> Screaming. <laughs> like, actually, I like because I definitely think about lots of things, but you're right. I, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about where it comes from. I do, I guess, actively in therapy, but I don't spend a lot of, like, silent time, even though I love silent time. Um, well, that's really good advice. I love that. I, I imagine that will be extremely helpful for so many people who are listening, including us. Um, thank you so much, Kendra, thank for coming you. on the pod. Where, okay, where can yeah. people find Drop you? Drop the socials. You already know it's your girl. No, I'm just playing. Um, <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram at I am Kendra Y Hill. And if you need a manager too, <laughs> you can go to KendraScaleMyBusiness.com. And honestly, Kendra is the fucking best. I'm like, just saying this to the people on the podcast. Honestly, like, you've been I've the most amazing person we've ever worked with. And 100%. I know everyone who knows you feels the same. You're an incredible human being, and we appreciate you so much. Yes. And I'm glad our audience got to hear some words of wisdom from you, and I'm sure there'll be many more. Yeah, to let come us on know what other topics you want Kendra to come yeah, on come and, come and absolutely roast us. us to our core about. <laughs> Screaming. Thank you, guys. In the best way possible. <laughs> Thank All right, thanks you. for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Purse. Nailed it. Oh my god, that's gonna be one. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.